Sure is good to think about that place we're headed to, those that's redeemed and saved by God's grace. I believe we sung that song, I believe it was last night, I'm bound for that city, and I made comment on that, but, uh, but I often say we're not there yet. They's work, the Lord's left us here for a reason. They's work to be done here. These folks that need help here, and, and he's left us to, to try to, to be that light, and the Bible said that uh, we're the salt of the earth, and our pastor at uh, Fountain Run, the old brick there, that uh, I guess that was the night he had his heart attack. That's, it was a message that he preached on was about the salt and, and uh, we're living in a day our nation this world we surely need more salt now the health experts will tell you you don't but spiritually speaking we need more salt in the day we're living in so I'm glad of those folks when I was raised up and where I was raised up they were salt in my life. I didn't recognize it as much then, but they held up the ways of God. They walked in the ways of God. And when they gathered in, I guess the other night I mentioned that, but when I was a kid, you, it was hard sometimes to, it was hard if you was a visitor there and didn't know folks, it was hard to tell who was seeking the Lord that was lost or saved. The altar was full of folks. Most of them God's people crying out and begging for God to come down and save their lost kind. And I mean that uh, when that cry gets right around the church, and I've said that lots of times, and maybe, maybe with, I guess the first night I tried to preach, maybe preached along that line about the labor. And, and, uh, but we can all tell when it's, it's, it's almost like it's almost like, uh, and I'm not a big uh, music person or nothing. I, I can't read music. I just, everything's by ear with me. But when a key change comes in a, in a song, we, when, when I used to sing with Jeff Sneed and them years ago when we was just little boys or young men, uh, we'd sometimes in our turnaround or maybe get to the second course, we'd do a, we'd do a key change, you know. And it's a whole different, I mean, it, it just, it jumps you up and you take back off. And, and, and when the church gets some, some we, I'm not saying we don't pray, we, but when, when we really get to digging and we get through, there's a different sound comes over the whole church. You can hear, you, it just, you, not only can you hear it, you can feel it. You can feel it. You can feel the presence of the Lord that's moved in and helping his people. And he's hearing their groanings. And, and I'm thankful for those folks back in, in my time that were salt. And God still is a calling his people today to be, that, to be that salt and to be that help to those that's lost and undone. And sometimes not to the lost, it's just to those that have drifted and got cold and what used to be called and used to be preached on a lot and you don't hear it much anymore, but backslidden. People don't want to hear that. 
We have more backsliders today probably than we've ever had in the time of the church, I would say. I, I, I feel safe. I feel confident in saying that. And I'm not saying you. I'm saying it's us. But God wants us to come back to him. He wants us to turn to him. I thought about the judgment that the brother preached about last night, you know. And it's going to catch. Uh, it's not that we're... It's not that we're going to go to hell, but uh, there's going to be some folks. I believe there'll be lots of folks on that day that's going to be surprised what God's going to say to them. Be, they'll be surprised. But there'll be lots of folks that thanks, and I'm just uh, I'm a saying from different religions, from different uh, denominations, that uh, they'll think that they're surely, surely going to make it. And I'll say tonight, the brother I believe preached to me, but I'm telling you, if you ain't been saved by the grace of God and born again, he'll say, depart. Depart. The judgment, I mean, you, you can't really, he, it's done spoken here. He's done said what's going to happen to you. It's, it shouldn't be no surprise. It, it's, he, has, he has no option but to turn you away if you die without him. So it's important tonight to... This uh, scripture, you bear with me. I need you, need you to pray for us for just a little while if God would have us to stand. This scripture sort of lingered around my heart last night and, and, uh, and I, I appreciate the message. You, you might hear some things that you heard last night. I don't know. I thought when he was preaching, I thought, Lord, really, uh, had, I, it, had it been my lot to stand and had we... If you could do, sometimes they do those things. They can do it in films, you know. They can double you and have a message from way old preacher preach back yonder and have a message that preachers and they'll, they, you can see both of them. But had that, we had the capabilities to have done that and that would have been a, a, what the Lord would have wanted to last night. Our message would have probably paralleled somewhat, a, a whole lot in different things, but it's still lingering on my heart, and I'm not. I'm over in the old book of Daniel's, where I'll be a reading from. I hope tonight, if you're here and lost, that you might just uh, listen to the word of the Lord for just a few minutes, and uh, read a, out of the fifth chapter of Daniel. Uh, familiar scripture to most. I'm not here to preach anything, anything new to you tonight. This book's been around a whole lot longer than I have. Been preached from all down through the generations of time ever since John the Baptist. The, the gospel's been preached. That's what the Bible says. It says the law and the prophets were until John. But since then, the kingdom of heaven's been preached. A lot of folks don't think you have to preach it. The Lord said you need to preach it. You need to teach it. You need to talk about it. You need to read it. You need to meditate upon it. But he meant for it to be preached to help lost sinners to see their sad condition. But he said, since then, the kingdom of heaven's been preached and every man presseth into it. And so tonight you pray that God would help us to preach his preaching. This fifth chapter of the book of Daniel, we know that uh, a lot of the children of Israel taken into captivity during this time by the Babylonians and, and uh, Nebuchadnezzar was a, a powerful man in that day and he, uh, he I guess was the first 
king that ruled over those taken into captivity. But now he's passed and uh, he's gone and his, his children are taking, taking their place on the throne. And that's where it seems like as generations go by, if we ain't careful, we begin to seem like we begin to, to back off of, of some of our ethics, our morals, our principles, our standards, if we ain't careful. I've seen that, and might may this be because I'm older, but but in in, in I've seen it in my, my grandpa and and how his work ethic was. I've seen my dad and how his work ethic was and how he taught us boys to be. And and I, I'm not you just pray for us tonight. I want to mind the Lord. But as generations come and as they go, those people were brought up in really hard times. And they didn't have much. And you had to work for what you had. And you was proud of what you did get and what you did work for. And you, and you wanted, you wanted, you worked so your children could have maybe a little bit better than you. And there's a difference in having a little bit better and still having a standard to hold on to than giving folks everything that they want and spoiling them. There's a difference. And... Uh, I, I, my dad, I know he had it better than his dad did, but he wanted us boys to understand the difference. And, and he, it didn't matter whether we wanted to work for folks or not. He hired us out. There was three of us. And he'd hire us out. And if there was neighbors there that had tobacco to set or to chop out or to top or to cut or whatever it is doing, he would hire us out. My boys would be over there to help you. You tell me what time to have them over there. And if it was hayfield back then, there wasn't no round rollers in, in our territory. And, and I mean, people was looking for help. And uh, now you can't, now I, I'm going to be honest with you. It's one reason why I quit raising tobacco. You couldn't find help. And that was before the Mexicans got in here. And I've got nothing against, I've got nothing against the Mexicans. But I'm a saying in the day we're living in, there wouldn't be no burly tobacco or, or dark tobacco raised if it wasn't for those folks coming in and working in the fields because our people won't do it no more. You, you, you won't find high school kids that you can hire out. Now, you'll, you'll find them that'll take the check if you'll write it to them, but they won't work. They'll, they'll spend more time at the water jug than they will in the field. And, and, and you're better off not having them in the field because they break more leaves off and they step on the tails more than they do really working to take care of the crop that you've worked to get. But I was raised with that kind of standard. Whether you was working in the field, you, if it was your neighbors, you treated it just like it was yours. And you done it right. And, and I, I know that you may say, well, preacher, why is all this important? I, I say that, I, I see that. I, as I begin to grow and as my children come along, I wanted them to have better and I tried to set some standards for them. And even whether it was in, my dad was that way in sports. If you was going to play sports, you was going to play it right. You was going to play it with everything you had. And you, was, you wasn't playing, you was playing to have fun, but you was playing to win. That's, that's just the way. And I'm going to be honest with you. I, I, it, that sort of has run over in whether I'm serving God. I'm, I'm in the battle to win. I don't want Satan to defeat me. 
I, I want to win. I, and you might say, well, preacher, we're victors. We know we're going to be victors. I understand that. I, I know in the end, but I, in this battle, while we're here laboring and while we're here working, I don't want Satan to defeat us. I don't want him to have a few victories, although he'll, he'll get a few along the way. But I want to fight with everything I can to try to help somebody that's lost, that don't know the Lord, to see time could be running out for you. And there's a boundary out there that God's going to say. And as I begin to think about the generations of my people, my son does things now, and he's, I think he still has a pretty good work ethic, but he does things, and I think, I wouldn't have done it that way. But he's a grown man now. I mean, he's 31. He can, he can do, you don't have to have dad telling him everything to do. And uh, I just sort of sometimes, I'll just tell him my opinion on it, and I'll say, you do it every way you want to do it. I've helped him fence before. I say, you do it every way you want to do it. If I was doing it, I'd do it this way, but it ain't my fence. It's your fence. So you put it up every way you want to. You tell me where you want it at, and I, I'll be glad to help you. But there's different things I see that get dropped off from generation to generation. And in this day, it was no different. Things begin to get dropped off. And Belshazzar, that was king at this time, he began to forget things that his fathers and grandfathers went through among the people of the Lord. So this is where that we are. And you pray for us tonight. Fifth chapter, first verse. Said Belshazzar the king made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. Belshazzar, while he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple which was in Jerusalem that the king and his princes and his wives and his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God which was at Jerusalem and the king and his princes, his wives and his concubines drank in them. Such a mockery. Such a mockery to the vessels of the Lord and the vessels of the house of God. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver, of brass, of iron, of wood, and of stone. In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace and the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Listen. Then the king's countenance was changed, and his thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his loins were loosed, and his knees smote one against another. The king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. And the king spake and said to the wise men of Babylon, Whosoever shall read this writing and shew me the interpretation thereof shall be clothed with scarlet, have a chain of gold about his neck, and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then came in all the king's wise men, but they could not read the writing nor make known to the king the interpretation thereof. Then was King Belshazzar greatly troubled, and his countenance was changed in him, and his lords were astonished. Now the queen, by reason of the words of the king and his lords, 
came into the banquet house, and the queen spake and said, O king, live forever. Let not thy thoughts trouble thee, nor let thy countenance be changed. There is a man in thy kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And in the days of thy father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, was found in him, whom the the king Nebuchadnezzar, thy father, the king, I say, thy father, made master of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. And I'm going to stop right there. And uh, probably uh, grammatically, that's not a proper place to stop, but I feel like I need, if you want to read the rest of that, it'd be good for you to read the rest of that. But what happens is they finally get a hold of Daniel and they bring him in. Daniel begins to uh, talk to this king and he begins to tell him about what happened. The king first tells Daniel, I've heard about you. I've heard about the spirit and the understanding you have. I've heard about how you, you used to dissolve certain, certain visions and, and different interpretations, how you had the spirit of the gods about you. But then Daniel begins to tell him, I heard about you. I know, I know what happened to your people that was back yonder. I seen what God done to them. And he begins to go back over what God done to Nebuchadnezzar, which was king, and how he drove Nebuchadnezzar off the throne. I may read just a little bit more here in a minute. You just bear with me. But I need to seem like sort of cover over this if I can. But Daniel begins to tell this king about all that Nebuchadnezzar went through and how God drove him off the throne how that he ate grass with the ox of the field, how that his hairs became his feathers, his, his finger nails, his nails of his toes became like that, his claws of a bird or of an eagle maybe. I can't remember just how it's worded. But in other words, he, he was driven off the throne as probably in that day one of the most powerful men they was on the face of the earth. God drove him off his throne and made him as a wild beast. And Nebuchadnezzar was out of way for some time and finally he looked up and acknowledged who God was and I believe had to repent somewhat and God set him back up on the throne again. And so now that's what Daniel's a telling this younger man and he's a telling him what all that the Lord done to his father but he, this is what Daniel tells him. Now I'm going to read beginning with verse 22. And he said, Thou his son, O Belshazzar, hast not humbled thine heart, though thou knewest all this, but hast lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven. And they have brought the vessels of his house before thee, and thou and thy lords, thy wives, and thy concubines have drunk wine in them, and thou hast praised the gods of silver and gold, of brass, iron, wood, and stone, which see not, nor hear, nor know. And the God, listen, in whose hand thy breath is, and whose are all thy ways, hast thou not glorified. Then was the part of the hand sent from him, and this writing was written. 
And this is the writing that was written. Mene, mene, and I probably ain't going to pronounce this right, but I'll just do the best I can. I'm not going to worry about the pronunciation. Mene, mene, to kale up, up hot far sin. This is the interpretation of the thing. Mene, God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. To kale thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. Perez, thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. And tonight, you, you just pray for us. I, that's all the reading that I need to read to you. And I, I, the thought seemed like that God's placed on my heart is what's it going to take to get you shook up? You may think, well, preacher, what do you think you're going to do? I'm just going to try to preach in my heart for... Just a few minutes, if God will help me. I, I thought about this, this king. This wasn't a, uh, I guess what we'd say, an ordinary Joel. He, he was king over Babylon at this time. And, and he was a man of great power and authority as Nebuchadnezzar was. And if you went on and read what Daniel was telling him, what his father was, he said, whom he slew, he slew. And whom he kept alive, he kept alive. In other words, his word was the word. And that's the way it was done. And he had all that authority, Belshazzar. And yet he didn't acknowledge God one day. And God drove him off the throne. And he was out there eating like the wild beast of the field. And one day he acknowledged God. And he humbled himself. And he realized who really gave him all that he had. And God took him out of that wilderness and set him back up on the throne and you knew every bit of this but yet you've not humbled yourself and you've not only not humbled yourself but now and I thought about what was going on and I, I hope you don't forget about what was taking place here the Bible said that this king he made a great feast and he called in a thousand of his lords men that was under him but men that yet had authority in the kingdom and he had called a thousand of them in. And most of the time, uh, sort of what I've seen when, uh, when that takes, I, I, I've seen this in the workplace. When, when you have, uh, when a certain meeting is called and, and you're pretty much a, uh, maybe you feel like a nobody, but you, and, and I've sort of been that way sometimes. I've, I've been able to sit in meetings that I, I really felt honored to be there in some of the company I was in as far as the people that I worked with because I respected who they was and the type of decisions that they made. But I was sort of just a, I don't know, really, I, I hate to use that term, but that's sort of the way I've sort of, I, I, I was sort of a grunt, you know, it's sort of the way I felt. I was just always a common laborer, just sort of that that type of person. And and I, I, I had no authority really, I, but I, I, I thought, boy, I'm I'm really honored to be in this crowd of people. But a lot of times, if it's the big man that calls the meeting, most of the time he's there to show these others, I'm the man in charge. This is the way I want it done. 
This is, I want you to look up to me, and this is the way, and he sort of goes through. He'll have other people set up to speak, but they've been told how that, what they need to stress and the points that he wants to be sure to get across, and it's sort of all outlined, and I, I really feel like the day of this feast, I don't know what all went on, but I believe this king had, boy, he said, I'm going to have a thousand of my lords to come in. They're going to look up to me. I'm the man. I'm on the throne. And while there's there, the Bible said, you just listen to me for just a few minutes. I may not stand very long, but, but while there's there, they begin to drink wine. And the Bible says in one place that, uh, and I might not get that right, I, I believe, uh, oh, where's that? I believe that's in Proverbs, maybe. Is it, is it wine's a mocker and strong drink maybe is raging? I can't remember just how that's worded, but it sort of does warn us against wine and I'm not going to debate with you on, on different issues of that. I could get into all that, but I'm not a going to. A lot of people, they want to see it this way or that way, but they begin to drink their wine. And after a little of the wine, I, you know, I, I've never been to that point, but uh, they say that it begins to give you courage that you've never had before. And when you begin to get so far along in the drink, and, and I thought, boy, I, here they was, and while he was having this feast and his lords were there. People that he thought, I, I believe, boy, they're going to really look up to me during all this. Uh, we're going to have a big time. I, I want you to understand, young folks, we're, we're living in a day that the world wants you to think that this life is a party place and you just need to have a big time. You don't need to worry about what God says. You don't need to worry about honoring God. You just need to eat, drink, and be merry. There's, there's other scripture that tells us about that, ain't there? There's, there's scripture even when Jesus lived and walked here that he told us, he said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the coming of the Son of God. When they, they eat and they drank and they was marrying and they was given in marriage until the flood came and took them all away. It sort of crept up on them all of a sudden. They was having a big time till that come. And although yet during that time, you think with me here, God's going to help me just a few minutes, but while they was having a big time, there was an old man of God that God had out there while he was a hammering on that ark. That was a preaching to him, and he was a preaching to him. The Bible said he was a preacher of righteousness, and he was a warning people, God's going to send a flood. You better get prepared. You better get ready. It's a coming. I believe there's a laughing at him. I believe there's a mocking him. I, I believe there was. Uh, I believe there's a doing their own thing. Is that something we're seeing in the day we're living in? Boy, if you ain't a seeing it, I'm going to say you've got your blinders pulled way down over your eyes. Uh, uh, you need to open them up uh, and see what's going on. Uh, the world to tell our young people uh, why you don't have to go to church to have a good time. Uh, you don't have to go to church to live a good life. Uh, you can go off and do whatever you want to do be whatever you want to be don't worry about all that God stuff you don't have to have it if you ain't careful I've seen it ruin lots of folks that was raised in church that was raised in church that may be one reason listen I don't and I've told you I don't have a thing against college but I believe that's probably why God didn't let me go and you may say well you chose not to go well I ain't going to debate that with you either 
But God just, God, God sent me in a different direction. And God always made a way. I'm not bragging, thank you, Lord. My wife, I told you the other night about her degrees. Let me tell you what God can do. This is what God, God can put you in a place. I, I do have a good high school education. And I was, I'm not a tooting my own horn tonight, but I'm just telling you what I was told. I graduated in a class of, uh, I don't know at that time, was one of the biggest classes to go through Barron County. I think there was 240 or 250 of us somewhere along in that neighborhood. And they, they said, and I don't know, I didn't get no big award for it or nothing, but they said I was in the top 10% of that. That made me feel pretty good. And, and I really didn't study hard. <laughs> I didn't apply myself like a lot of people did. I, my main concern, I'm just going to be honest with you, I, my main concern was pleasing my mom and dad on my report card and making sure I had good enough grades to play sports. That was my main concern. Now, in doing that, i done rather well. And I was thankful that I had friends that, you know, if you've got people that will study hard that you're friends Somehow or another, they drag you along with them. I mean, it just makes you, it's sort of like being on a ball team with somebody that's a smidge better than you. It pushes you to get to, get to that point. And I had lots of kids that was, that was it that, that away. And they, they would, boy, I, I, I could name you one, I won't. But I mean, if she made a 99 on a test, she would cry, literally. I'm, I'm, I mean, while we was in high school, it hurt her feelings because she couldn't ace it. I wasn't that away. I was just glad. I was glad I got an A most of the time, but every once in a while, I, I didn't. And I'd think, boy, that can't bring my average down, and I'd think how I'd have to work. I, I'll get around here in a minute. You just bear with me. But I thought, boy, so many times how that just little things... But there I was, and I had an opportunity, and, and but somehow God, God began to speak to me, and he began to let me know, you have not even asked me. I was just 18 years old, but he said, you ain't asked me which direction I want you to go in. You haven't talked to me about it. So I began to try to pray real hard. And somewhere along the line of about two weeks before I was supposed to go up and report into Coach Don, I, I just, I got my answer. And I've told you, some of y'all probably heard this, but I ended up staying in my, there with mom and dad. I went to work at a little old bank down there in my hometown, Fountain Run. Now, I didn't stay at that bank very long for different reasons, but the biggest part of that was money. Money drives lots of things. And when you're young, money sort of, you don't think about insurance. You don't even think about any kind of uh, benefits they have. All you think about is what's going in your pocket. And I was making more money killing hogs and killing cows. So I went back to killing hogs and killing cows. And I, you may say, now preacher, wait a minute. I, let me just tell you. I didn't see. All I knew is the Lord, oh, I'd been a praying, God, if I don't need to go, you, 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 you've got to open a door. God opened a door, and he let me see, There's, there, this is your door. What are you going to do? And you, and you may say, well, you missed a big education, and I, I may have missed a big education, but this is what I want you to Sometimes God will educate you in ways that you cannot get educated out yonder. 
The world can educate you in lots of things, but God has got a way of educating us if we'll let him. And this is what I want you, I say all of that. I didn't go, and God made a way that I opened and come up with a highway department in construction. I ended up making a career out of that. Ended up, God made a career out of it for me somehow. And my wife goes on and gets her, she gets her bachelor's in two and a half years. She gets her, uh, what comes after that? Is it the rank one? I'm, I'm not sure. I, really, what it, the teachers, this is the teacher thing. But she was a really, she was one of them, she was one of them kids that would push others and drag them along with you because that's the kind of motive she had in going to, and, and within a four-year time, she had her rank one and then went on and got her master's. And so she done all of this just lickety-split. And there we was, young married couple. And you may say, preacher, why? Just bear with me here. And her having all of those degrees, this is the thing. I'm not saying this braggingly, but there was very few years that she made more money than I did. You may say, now preacher, wait. No, I'm telling you what God can do. I'm not telling you what Tim Eaton can do. I had, the only reason I was going to college was because I had an opportunity to play ball, and that was it. I wasn't going for no other purpose. That was the only reason I was going. I seen an opportunity that a little old country boy could go up to a town and play basketball, and that's what, that's what I was going for. And when God got my attention one day, and this is what I want you to do, this is what God's laid on my heart. When are you going to let God get your attention? When are you going to look at the things he's putting in your life saying, hey, this is me. You better, you better come my way. If you don't, someday, and this, this will go back to the message of the brother, someday judgment's coming. Someday you'll cross the line. And I thought about this king, and I'll try to hurry. But here he was, having a big feast, drinking, doing all of those things that the world says is a great time with a thousand of his lords. What a party. No doubt there's a having. But the Bible said there come a time when they got so far along, he said, bring them vessels up here that we brought over out of that people that we've just took captive. Let's, we've got them right out of their house of their God. Bring them up here and let's drink wine out of them. Let's just defile the very vessels that they've used to serve their God. And the Bible said they begin to praise while there's a drinking out of those vessels. They begin to praise the gods of gold and silver and brass and wood and stone and all of those things. And while there's a doing that, you know what happened? The king crossed the line and judgment came and God got his attention and he sent his fingers as the fingers of a man's hand and he wrote over on the plaster of the wall in the light of the candlestick and he got the king's attention the bible doesn't say that everybody else saw the writing and saw the hand the fingers of the man's hand it says the king saw it and when he saw it his countenance changed, and his thoughts told him. And he cried out aloud for the astrologers and the Chaldeans and the soothsayers. I want the smartest people that, I can, that I've got in my kingdom. Get them in here immediately. ASAP, pronto. There's something going on, and I want to know what it is. It got his attention, but he still didn't understand There's a lot of people that God has got their attention. 
they still don't understand. And they've never asked. Listen to me. If you're here tonight and lost, maybe you're just here and wandering around. I tell you what, God's people's here for a reason. They're here to try to help you. The man of God's here for a reason. You've got a pastor for a reason. God sent me, I, God sent me down here in this season for a reason. And you may think tonight, preacher, what are you saying? There Daniel was. It, Daniel, since Nebuchadnezzar's time, had sort of been put in a back burner, sort of. He's, he's just sort of back there hid. Nobody thought much. Nobody really needed him doing their own thing, living it up. But the king was so tore all to pieces, none of his people could interpret the writing. None of his people could understand what was going on. And the Bible said the king got so tore up that the, 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 the joints of his loins were loosed and his knees smote one against another. In our terms, this is the way we would say it, he was shaking in his shoes. In our terms. He was tore all to pieces because he could not understand why this writing was over on the wall. What was going on? He'd never seen nothing like this before. Nobody in his country could interpret it. And when they couldn't interpret it, he got even more tore up. Nobody can tell me. These are the smartest men in the land. And nobody knows what it says. Nobody knows what's happening. Listen to me, lost sinner. The world out yonder cannot tell you what's going on in your heart. They can't, they'll try, this is, this is the problem with the world. We try to, uh, we try to interpret, we try to, uh, we try to figure out in our mind everything, what could be, what, what could be the response to this, what could have brought this about, and we try to, we try to get all these wheels a turning. And old Daniel, there old Daniel was, still with that same, what the Bible said, I believe in the first chapter of Daniel, said he had an excellent spirit about him it wasn't see them people didn't even understand really the spirit he had about him they said they, he's got the spirit of the gods and that's the way they referred to him like in other words he's just got a bunch of gods that he's he's got the spirit of all of them he's just he's just filled up with every god that we've ever known they didn't understand they was just one god that he had the spirit of they was just the god that he knew they was just the God that give him the wisdom, that give him the knowledge to know how to, how to interpret and how to dissolve these things. And so what happens is the queen remembers Daniel. And she tells the king not to, in other words, don't you let your thoughts trouble you. Don't you worry. There's a man in the kingdom that can tell us. I remember him being called on by your people before you. Nebuchadnezzar was one. I remember them looking to him and they trusted him and they put confidence in him. Let's call him in and let him look at these things. And when they did, and this is, I want you to understand my thought tonight, sinner friend. Has God tried to shake you up? Has God tried to get your attention? And you're just looking the other way. And you're just saying, I'm not going to give in to that. I'm, not, I'm telling you this. This old king, he had lots of examples before him. His father before him had, had lived it out. And God had broken him down. And God had driven him out. And God had set him back up. And he knew it. 
He knew it. He saw it all. He heard about it all. But yet, he went on living his own life, doing his own thing, till the day the writing came on the wall. And when the day that happened, everything about him changed. This is what I believe. I believe his personality changed. I be, listen, he was far enough along. He was done a drinking out of the vessels of the house of God. He didn't really care. If you get that far along that you, uh, that you begin, and we hear there was a season back when I was a younger boy that I remember there were some houses of the Lord that were, we used to have a, uh, my home church, we take up, uh, we take, we, well, I guess they still do birthdays and anniversaries, don't they, Zach? But well, if it was your birthday or anniversary, you come up and you put money in this little glass jar of a thing. And it was sent, it used to be sent to some orphan's home back years ago. I'm not sure where it, but it was sent to some uh, non-profit type thing, you know. And, and it got to where we never locked our doors, you know. We was there in downtown Fountain Run. Who's going to, but it got to the point to where folks knew we had that little pit of money there. And after, I mean, there wasn't no thousand dollars in it, or there wasn't most of the time, not even a hundred. But folks learned there was, there was money to be got. And it was just left just right there at the pulpit, pretty much. So we got the missing our birthday anniversary money. So the church ends up having to lock. But, but during that time, there were other churches that, that people was going into, and they was cutting the seats up, and they was marking some on the walls and maybe breaking some glasses. And, and, and there was just a little time there that some of that went on, and folks got worried. And it, those things haven't happened around they haven't happened around here in a long time that I've heard of anyway. But I'll say this to you. Folks got to be pretty bold to do something to the house of the Lord. I mean, there's got to be a very disrespectful, disregarding attitude when an individual, I don't care, boy, girl, man, woman, does something to the house of the Lord. And I thought here was this king that had had all of this happen in front of him, but yet he commands you bring them vessels up. We're going to drink wine out of them. So he totally disrespects the God of the Jewish people, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which is our God tonight. Disrespects him, dishonors him, and says, let's drink out of these. And while we drink out of them, let's praise our gods that we've made and our images. And boy, while that was going on, God had enough, didn't he? And this, I want you to think about this tonight. There's going to come a day he's going to get enough in your life. It's going to be enough. He's going to say, I've, I've, give you, I've give you every chance and you've looked the other way. I've tried to get your attention. I've tried to shake you up. I've tried to get you to realize that I am the Lord and you need me more than you need anybody else. Daniel told this king, he said, listen, what you failed to realize is the very God in whose life you are in and who gives you the very breath that you breathe, you have disregarded him and hast not humbled thyself before him. Daniel said, for this reason, the hand was written on the wall. And he begins to interpret what it means. And he says, you've been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Judgment. Judgment's come. 
The scales aren't tipped in your favor, O king. You've waited too late. And even though you're king, and even though this is in the very midst of your party that you thought you would have to really lift your name up, this is your final days. Your very kingdom that you're so proud of, and you have failed to regard this God, it's going to be divided out to the Medes and the Persians. And it's too late for you. This is what I'm begging you tonight, and I may about be done, but I'm begging you tonight, don't wait too late. Don't wait too late. You may say, now, preacher, don't, oh, I could, I could have read to you over there in Revelation. It speaks about in those days when the stars of heaven, the Bible said, I believe that the, the heavens are rolled back as a scroll that is rolled together. And it says the mountains and islands are moved out of their places. And the stars of heaven begin to fall as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she's shaken of a mighty wind. And you know what the Bible says? says them people will begin to run to the mountains and the rocks. And they'll begin to cry out, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne. And from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of his wrath is come and and who shall be able to stand? You see, they, it, when that day comes, they're going to be shook up. I mean, it's going to get their attention. But it's going to be too late when that day comes. It was too late for this king. He had waited too late to give God regard. He had waited too late to seek God's will for his life. He had waited too late to honor this God that had so dealt with his grandfather or father before him, he had waited too late. And so tonight I'd say to you this, are you going to wait too late? Are you going to put it off until it's too late? Or are you going to seek God today? It's what Isaiah said today. I believe it was Isaiah or it might have been Jeremiah. But it's written in maybe even in Psalms as well. But he said today is the day. Of salvation. If you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. You may think, preacher, listen tonight, this king thought life could get no better. He was the man in charge. Everybody's looking up to me. I've got a thousand of my lords coming in to eat, and we're gonna have a time. And I ain't only got them, but I've got their wives. And the concubines, we're going to be living it up. Do you know what the world will say to you, you young folks? Have yourself a time while you're young. Just go out and have a big time. Don't worry about I'm telling you this, and I'm going to stay in the Scripture with you. That's why the Lord told them, Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, and His righteousness. And all these things, they'll be added unto you. They'll be added unto you. You may think today, preacher, I just don't understand how those things could be. I don't, listen, I can't explain it all to you. I don't understand how God took somebody raised in Fountain Run, Kentucky, went to school at Barron County, graduated from high school, thought I'd go to college, didn't go to college. He ends up giving me a job. Somebody said, well, you didn't. I had to take a test to get, to get the job. I did. But I, I'm, God made a way that I could have that kind of occupation because, see, in that kind of occupation, 
I was blessed enough to have bosses, and one of them's here tonight. I was blessed enough to have bosses that when funeral time come, I could say, listen, I need a half a day off tomorrow. I've got a funeral, or I've got a half a day. I need a half a day off. Usually I know a couple of days in advance. And you know what? God, I mean, it's, and he's just one of about five or six men I work for, but that was never an issue. Did you know you go to a factory and try to do that? That's only going to last a time or two. And you're probably going to be rolled up. And on your third one, you're probably going to be looking for another job. But God seemed fit to put me in a place that I could do that. Ain't that something? And not only could do that, but I could bring a good income in for my family. Ain't that a blessing? God can do that. You may think tonight, preacher, I, I just don't believe God makes a way. I'm telling you, God will make a way if you'll put him first. If you, Somebody's saying, are you saying you're perfect? Oh, no, I'm not perfect. I've failed him lots of times. But I'm telling you, he got my attention back there. I've been a saved young man. Well, if I was 18, that'd have been nine years that I'd known the Lord. I hadn't always walked as close to him as I should have up to that point but I at 18 when I decided to stay home and, and go to work there in the bank uh, you know what happened it wasn't but just probably two months after I made that decision that them boys got they called me they said listen we've got this group we're singing you think you'd want to be interested in singing with us and I said I don't know if I would or not I said I don't know no music they all did they all knew music they paid more attention I guess in course than I did but I just didn't I just didn't know you know what I done I went and I said I'll come practice with you a couple times well I got there and there's a good spirit when we'd practice it wasn't, it wasn't that we sounded all that great maybe but boy there's a good spirit there and I, I felt in my heart this is right I, I need to try to do this and so we sung together for about a year and a half, I guess, as the Glory Bound Quartet. It's been a long time ago. But we sung together about a year and a half, traveled. We sung in Warren County, Allen County, Barron County, Monroe County, some in Hart County, some down the edge of Tennessee. Went to lots of church. So listen to them. Somebody said, why aren't you telling us your life story? I'm telling you how God can work things out. I didn't know what was going on at the time. I was just an 18-year-old boy. And by the time that I, God said, you've sung with them long enough now we've just been singing about a year and a half it's time for you you need to you need to be it and we was at church almost every Sunday morning but sometimes if you had an all-day singing you would miss church and you'd be at church somewhere else you know God said you've you've been there long enough you got got another direction you need to go this is the way you work brother Brad 20 years old God called me to preach and when people heard that this little strode boy had been called to preach and he sung for us. Y'all remember him singing over here at our church? Did you know I never asked? I feel for young preachers today because most churches won't give them an opportunity to come. They won't. I feel sorry for them. A lot of, a lot of, pre, a lot of preachers will say, well, we don't know nothing about him. They won't never go to here to find out anything about him. They just say, we don't know nothing about him. He better not come down here. How's a young preacher supposed to get known? How's he supposed to have an opportunity if the door ain't? This is what I tell my people where I pastor at. Listen, if we ain't a strong enough church, if there's a man, I don't care if he's young or old, and he stands behind that pulpit and he comes out with something that ain't godly, if we ain't a strong enough church to say, whoa, brother, wait just a minute. I believe that's contradictory to the scripture. Either you need to back up on that or grab your Bible and head on out the door one or the other and say it in love. 
There's something wrong with us as Baptist folks. I'm going to be honest with you. But you know what God done? I never asked for an appointment to preach anywhere till I'd been preaching for probably close to 20 years. People would call and they'd say, will you come preach for us here? I, I, my wife may still, I'm not saying this bragging. I'm telling you how God can work things out. It, God, God had made a way for those folks to get to know me through the singing. And then they wanted to hear you preach. And, and you'd go, somebody said, well, it was all unbaptist. No, I'll just tell you that now, they weren't. But God would open the door. When I'd pray, Lord, I need to go there. He'd say, I've made a way for you. Go preach them what I give you to preach. Just leave it at their feet. And that's what I'd try to do. And you may think tonight, boy, I don't know about you. And you may not. I'm telling you, God got a hold of me back there as a young man. And I, I failed him lots of times. But if you'll let him have your life, he will open doors for you that you never dreamed of. And here I am now, an old man. And all these years have gone by, and you know what I still see? I still see God opening doors that I never thought. People up, these, them old preachers, preachers my age that's been preaching around the same time I have, they say, how in the world did you get connected off to people down there in Bowling Green? I ain't, they ain't never asked me to come down there. That's what some of them say, you know. And I say, you know, I don't really know. I don't know how the Lord, I don't, I don't know how he opened those doors, but he made a way. And I said, I, we've been in some good meetings down there at this little church. And you may think tonight, preacher, this is what I want you to understand, lost sinner, and I'm done. Is God trying to get your attention tonight? Is he knocking on your heart? And he's just saying, come. He's just saying, come, and I'll give you rest. Come. And you can find peace for your soul. And you're pushing that away. If you are, I want you to understand, there will come a day. He's got a boundary drawed. And he'll say, that's far enough. I've dealt with them all I can deal with them. I've given them every opportunity. If you go on and read this scripture, that very night, the king lost his life, lost his kingdom. Everything that Daniel prophesied to him. It came to pass. And it's been preached to you that's here lost. Death is a coming. Judgment is a coming. Are you going to let God have your attention and you seek Him with all your heart and find Him precious to your soul and Him become not only the Savior of your soul but the Lord of your life? And let him lead and guide and direct you in the ways you need to travel. If you will, you talk about having a blessed life. I don't have, I, I'm not a millionaire tonight, but I've got more than I deserve to have. I truly do. And you may think, well, preacher, you don't have to brag about it. I'm not bragging about Tim Eaton. I'm bragging about what God's done in my life and how good he's been to me. And sinner friend, I'm telling you, if you go out there and you grab everything that the world's got and you get one of all of it and you die without God, what good's it going to do you? How far is it going to get you when death comes? Were you, were you still going to end up? You're still going to end up in hell. Lost forever and forever. While God's trying to get your attention, I'd turn my attention toward him and I'd seek him with all my heart tonight.
this king waited too late. Ain't it something how God even made a way that this king, this king could have known this same God. He could have known who he was and what all he had in store for him, but yet he chose to do it my way. I want to have my time. I want to have my party. I want to have people to look up to me. And the writing came on the wall, and it was too late. Don't wait too late. Give God your attention now. Don't wait till that day when he shakes this earth and everything begins to fall apart and you begin to cry out for mercy and there be no mercy found. What's it going to take to get your attention? What's it going to take to get you shook up? It was too late for this king. Put it off. I heard my grandpa say that so many times. Too late, too late, too late. And he would say the saddest words that I've ever heard. It's too late, too late, too late. Don't wait tonight. Will you come? Will you seek him with a whole heart? Church, whatever God would bid us to do, let's be sure that we give him our very best tonight. That's the little message. That's as far as we're going to be able to travel while we have us a song. And if you feel like, even now, if somebody feels like coming in and praying with this young lady, don't hesitate. Just, just let's move with the Lord tonight while we stand and while we sing.